I'm Kim. I'm Megs. Welcome to the At Woods End podcast. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> Kittens can be real assholes. <laughs> Why are we here? What have I done? Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? I only show. Trance of dance. Salsa. <laughs> I don't know, is that even a word? Welcome back to the Atwood's End podcast. I'm Mags. And I'm Kim, and this is episode 41, Red Flag, Green Flag. So, a few weeks ago, I posted on my Instagram story and asked people to submit their red flags and green flags for everything from relationships and friendships to work and just, like, life in general. And, like, everyone really delivered on this one. Like, I think I received more. (laughs) Yeah, I, like, I received more responses to this one than, like, anything else that we've put out to listeners for the podcast before. And, like, I'm excited to jump into them, but before we do that, I'm curious to get your thoughts on just, like, red flags and green flags in general. Because I was thinking about this when I was putting this episode together. Like, what do you think is the line, like, what's the line between red flags and green flags that should be taken seriously versus what's maybe something that's just, like, more of, like, an ick or, like, something (laughs) that you could just overlook, you know? Like, does it come down to, like, gut feeling? I think there's a lot to unpackage here. So first off, your personal red and green flags will be very different than my own. But I feel like there are consistent ones that are standard across the board. And I definitely think they should be taken seriously or at least considered. Of course, there are exceptions to things. But I think flags in general are just glimpses of impressions that allow us to come to general conclusions. They're like little building blocks. And whether we act on them, that's a whole different story. But I think it's important to acknowledge them. And I almost see them as a set of standards, like little mini mantras. Like, I would never have a serious relationship with somebody who would kick a dog. Or I would never... (laughs) so aggressive. Well, like, you know, that's that's like a standard that like everyone would be like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, yep. So if you think about it, they are like these these thresholds, you know, whether it is in romantic, you know, it's an excessive example, but it is something that like we can definitely, most of us, I fucking hope, agree that that is something that would be, you know, a red flag flying kind of thing. But... Yeah. You know, when within romantic relationships or work relationships, you know, even for example if you tell yourself that you would not want to work with a client who pays you late and then the new client you've just signed on is days late in sending their contract and their deposit, that's a red flag. But you probably wouldn't cut ties immediately. Rather, you would see if that was a chance occurrence. That's for work and maybe specifically in the freelancing world. But for romantic relationships, I feel like it's a lot different because when you ignore certain flags... And you just say, oh, maybe it's you start to make excuses. I think that leads you down a path of folly within the relationship really quickly. So I think they are essential to acknowledge and then something to think about, maybe not necessarily be acting on. So more than a gut feeling because it takes you into further analyzation. It's not like a fight or flight kind of thing. I agree. And like like you said, I feel like it's such a personal thing because like for some people some things that would be like chill and just like don't matter 
for this someone else could be like a total deal breaker and like a lot of that is instinctual feeling but it's also like the lived experiences that everybody's yeah. had what like, bothers you, know, you? What everyone you like? has and everyone exactly and everyone's had like different life lessons that have maybe like taught them things that someone else maybe like hasn't learned yet so like they're you know they don't see something as a red flag that somebody who maybe went through something would see as a red flag i also think that quite often when it's a little thing that really bothers you about like someone that you like love or friendship or work or like whatever the situation is is usually because it's tied to something larger and like you said you need to like unpack it and like process it and sometimes those little things spill over into the way you view other things and like that's kind of where there's a funny line because like i know with some of these that we'll like get into some of them are like so specific well you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna touch back to this initial conversation with one of the ones that is going to be coming up that we will be discussing that ties in with spilling over and even if it's super specific what what does it mean in like a larger picture most of the time yeah because sometimes i think that it's like maybe there's like a bigger red flag that's really bothering you about someone but it almost like gets under your skin to the point where you're like i hate their shoes like you just hate (laughs) their shoes and it has nothing to do with the shoes you know like it's not like the oh they're wearing stupid shoes and that's the red flag it's like it's something bigger than that you know what i mean (laughs) they don't clean up after themselves yeah (laughs) yeah like yeah i don't know maybe it's something but like you you go what i'm saying yeah i do okay okay we've got quite a few submissions that i want to talk about so like let's let's get started first one a red flag when someone always feels the need to play devil's advocate nothing and i mean nothing boils my blood more most of the time (laughs) because i feel like someone is not always fully educated when they start to do this and it's actually a way of trying to undermine someone who is either speaking from a point of view you know in regards like an opinion or an actual well-read fact and it's not great considering you know this this climate that we're in of this polarizing culture war where so many discussions are just one end and the other end and when someone is playing devil's advocate in a proud and consistent way that where they're looking to argue or just fire everyone up yeah that is that is a crimson red flag and don't get me wrong i have a love for a debate that's well read educated and where both parties are open to critical and logical thinking and discussion of ideas theories and predicaments but i literally feel like that currently doesn't exist so yeah biggest red flag yeah yeah. I think too, like, it depends on the reasoning behind being devil's advocate. Like, it depends on if, if a lot of, like, the time in the examples that you are saying, it's people trying to get a rise out of somebody else, and it's not actually about the debate. It's about knowing that it's going to, like, piss them off if you, like, play devil's advocate, and, like, you're almost passing it off, like, oh, I'm just, like, saying, like, so let's see the other side of this, and, like, y- you know that all it's gonna do is, like, make the other person annoyed versus like if you're asking somebody for advice and they're like okay let's play devil's advocate for a second then like maybe it can be constructive but I feel like 90% of the time when people say they're playing devil's advocate it's 
because they're trying to like stir the pot and like yeah like i feel like somebody who actually says "Mm, not to play devil's advocate here but uh (laughs) yeah that one just (laughs) i think actually if you're using those words if you're in a conversation and you're like okay why don't we assess this from a different point of view then i feel like it, it gets down to the language and actually statistically hate to hate to point fingers here but statistically this is a a a white man's game to be to use the phrase and to actually do so that that seems to be the largest grouping of people who who do that and it gets down to men needing to feel macho by you know being looking like they're educated and i don't i think (laughs) devil's advocate when that phrase comes out it's like oh you watch a facebook video and now you're gonna trash talk something that you don't actually know anything about cool cool cool. oh you have a twitter account how big is your truck sir yeah yeah (laughs) twitter account (laughs) (laughs) um okay now this red red flag came up for a lot of work friendships and relationships So when someone doesn't know how to set slash respect boundaries. Oh my god, yes. Like, I feel like this is the biggest one of them all. And, like, honestly, was probably the one that came up the most in all of the submissions that I received on my end. Yeah, I got a few too, yeah. I really like, yeah, like, I really like actually that both the not being able to set boundaries and also the not respecting boundaries, like, came up. Because, like, I feel like more often people talk about, like, someone not respecting boundaries. But I think not being able to set them is like equally as important because it's like guaranteed to become a bigger issue in the future when that person inevitably feels like they're not being heard or like they're not being considered because they didn't ask for what they needed. The foundation really for any healthy relationship is that like communication piece (laughs) and being able to like empathize with another person's needs. And so like at the end of the day, if you're not asking for the things that will make you comfortable and you don't have the comfort to like feel like you're able to ask that in return then like what do you really have you know yeah and just to play off that too or to extend that the other thing with respect boundaries i see something i see a third slash in this not just like set boundaries slash respect boundaries it's also slash respect someone trying to set boundaries you know where yeah in relationships especially like for example if you have somebody like whipping back to our love languages somebody who's mostly time or time's very high up and someone who's not time it can be very overwhelming for that person who is not time where they feel suffocated and if they try to be more constructive with how they hang out or what they're doing where in like a dating phase kind of thing that it can get heated pretty quickly because it's a love language thing but it's also that person whose time not being able to say like hey <laughs> you know we need yeah. to this will work i'll feel less stressed you know even if we're not hanging out as much that's not a bad thing it's a good thing from my point of view and i'm also laughing because we're still watching everybody loves raymond it's been a couple months now and we're just like slowly an episode or two here and there and it's so funny i think one of the the pervading themes of that show is just boundaries not being set and not being respected yeah. so yeah. yeah that's especially between their in-laws exactly yeah their that's in-laws always like barging into their house yeah it's hilarious yeah and 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 uh, yeah. ray's mom just says just the worst things to deborah all the time and it's very funny but i'm just like ah <laughs> raven set some boundaries yeah. you know but another one is <laughs> yeah. this one is this a red flag though that 
you I think this one would be huge for people to be like oh they're working on it is this one does this one have like a, a bit more of like a a sliding scale almost for how you react to it if you if you meet someone or if you're in a friendship or a relationship where clearly boundaries are not a thing or they're not being used properly is that something that's a little less you know like yeah like I think the respect the not being able to respect boundaries is definitely a red flag, but I would say the not being able to set boundaries is maybe more of, like, an orange one, because, like, you don't know what people have, like, experienced in the past or, like, you know, where they're coming from when they're, like, meeting you in this relationship, and sometimes that that can take, like, time to learn how to set those and I don't think you can like judge someone for an inability to like put those in place for themselves as long as you're meeting them and like helping them okay to make sure that they feel like supported but if on the other hand you come to someone and are like I need this and they're like sorry that doesn't work for me then like to me that's a red flag yeah that's a huge I think yeah generally as an as a functioning adult you should know how to hear or someone and like understand what they're saying yeah so the reddest flag would be not respecting someone trying to set boundaries and then a regular red flag is just respecting someone's boundaries and then the orange one is like setting up yeah I like that. Okay. Yeah, it's like a like an ombre flag. Yeah. Of like you know, a deep yellow yeah. to a crimson. <laughs> the next one, a green flag. When they actually put their shopping cart back in the cart holder and like not in the parking lot instead of just abandoning it. I love this. So this ties in with that spilling over. I think this very small gesture speaks volumes. To me, this shows that someone is A, not lazy, which is huge. Laziness is one of those things that you don't really see as like a vice. You don't really notice it. But I think laziness is just, that's a rough one to contend with later on in relationships. So A, not lazy. B, super considerate. And C, not a scumbag person. And we like somebody like that. Something as simple as this is just nice. It's just thoughtful. And I can really applaud that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's the consideration that you're not going to, like, abandoning in the middle of the parking lot. Like, the wind's going to blow. It's going to hit somebody's car. Like, you're going to ruin somebody else's day. It takes two seconds to put it back. So it's just, like... Yeah, to it's me, a little that's bit such of a, effort. Like, unattractive characteristic to be like, oh, like someone who like doesn't put the card away. Yeah, and like I'm a big rule follower over here, and I think the grocery <laughs> store expects you to put it back. You know, there's some teenage kid who's not getting paid enough who has to scramble, especially in the winter because in the that's... rain. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say in the rain in the winter when like the poor kid has to like go out and round up all the carts. Yeah, he does not get health insurance. Okay. Not that we necessarily need it, but, like, he doesn't get paid time <laughs> off, I bet. There, that's that's the better way to yeah. do that. Yeah, so I think, but I... minimum wage. Yeah. So just put your cart back. Think of the, think of the children, you asshole. That's really what it gets <laughs> think to. Think of the children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think this one, if you, if you see something like this, you know, there's different ways that you can, like, gauge someone's character, and I think this one is just so small but really shows how somebody has an algorithm for doing things like, look, this is something that nobody likes to do. No one's like, yeah, let's go put the cart back. Everyone's like, oh, okay, right? But it's, you know, how do you face that? Do they complain the whole time they're doing it? Or are they just like quietly do it, get it done because it needs to be done? And I think that that 
moves into other yeah. aspects really well. But okay, friendship one now. Although I think it kind of applies to any relationship, but when someone borrows something and makes sure that it's returned in perfect condition, you know, and I think that this is especially true for clothing. I'm looking at my fucking sisters, so, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I agree. Like, again, this is, like, the car thing. It's, like, a consideration piece, but, like, I think it's, like, especially, like you said, with clothes, the thing that comes to, it, like, that's what comes to mind for me first is, like, we've all had that friend, I feel like, especially in university when, like, you had roommates and you were walking distance from all your friends, that, like, there'd be that person who, like, borrowed a dress or borrowed a top for a night out and then just, like, returns it dirty or, like, there's a drink spilled on it and it, like, hasn't <laughs> been washed. I hope to God like, I never did that. Like, I don't think I did, but I fucking hope to God I didn't. Actually, Kim, I'm no. gonna praise you for a second. One time I let Kim borrow my shirt and it was like an old shirt and she returned it to me and she's like this was ripping a little bit so I sewed it up for you here and here and just <laughs> just fix it so not only did I get my shirt clean and returned but it was also it was mended it was taken it was to mend. the tailors. yeah <laughs> It was like yeah, a ratty, like just, what was that, like a plaid, I guess? Yeah, I, I think it was a plaid shirt. Plaid. I think I do remember. I forgot about that, actually. But, like, exactly. Like, I just think, like, why? One, it takes two seconds to wash something. And I feel like it's tied to, like, a bigger piece of just, like, do you appreciate the fact that, like, the person who's lending this to you has done you a favor? Like, whatever it is, a lawnmower, a shirt, whatever you're borrowing. Like, just return it in the condition that you gave it or better. I'm not saying like no one has to like, you know, fix everybody's clothes. But yeah. like, I think this especially made me think of like when you go to someone's house or maybe you're staying at like someone's cottage or something. In my opinion, you should always at the very least be leaving it like bed made or like strip the sheets off the bed. Like exactly how you found the space when you got there, if not better. Like, yeah, where you clean up floor, a little bit. Like yeah. do something to like tidy it because yeah like yeah to i me, think this one like would also extend thing. to books because i lend a lot of books and i know who's returned my books who a has even returned them <laughs> because i know okay, okay. i think i might have one of your books i think so too <laughs> but that's okay <laughs> no no but i mean like you know my book comes comes a little ratty tatty and then it needs to be moved to a non-display area i'm actually i'm actually just rebinding your book for you <laughs> so like <laughs> can you bind it in something vintage because that's really the only books that are allowed to see people at my house okay. everything else gets put away so yeah <laughs> oh my god that's funny yeah, I agree. Books, too. I, books are a big one because I feel like 99% of the time people actually, like, I mean, I I definitely have one of yours. Like, I think books are a big one that people just kind of, like, forget to return or yeah. have this assumption, like, if you're lending me this book, you're done with it. And, like, I keep certain books for the purpose of, like, if someone's ever, like, oh, I need a good book, like, I'm, like, you know, I feel like I have three categories of books that I keep. It's, like, ones that I would put out on display because they're just like beautiful Pretty, yeah. or like yeah or because I like I love them and then there's books that I'm like I'm keeping these because I would potentially read them again right and then I have books that I keep because I'm like oh if someone's like oh I want a good book I would lend this out and I don't particularly care that it comes back to me yes but most I see people that borrow books assume it's the latter <laughs> you know what speaking of borrowing books when Tila went to India 
I lent him a few good reads and this butthole literally left one of my books in India because he got another book that was big or something. And so so my Aztec Revenge by Gary Jennings, fabulous read somewhere in India right now. I hope someone's enjoying that very fun adventure. Someone at so, a hostel has like read it like a thousand times. Which is cool, actually. I'm not even that mad. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I think my name was in there too. So yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Oh <my> God. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. Next, a work red flag. When they lowball you on a job offer with the promise to bump up the compensation in a few months' time. And this one has actually happened to me and my gut instinct was very much like run in the opposite direction so I totally agree with this one yeah me too I feel as a freelancer I detest that people feel like they have to accept lowball offers with a potential promise for a raise Kim and I set our own pricing and if it's not in someone's budget then go ahead shop around find someone else I bet you you'll be back because people are even more expensive than we are so I mean knowing your worth is essential But not everyone has the luxury of turning down a job offer. And again, it might be true that there will be a raise because things are happening, the company is changing. But if it's not, then what then? You know, and I think depending on how long you've been looking, if it's at the start, then move on. It's a red flag because what on earth really could be a reason for a promise of a pay raise? You know, if the company does better... Your skills and the reasons for you even being offered the job are the same. And yeah, yeah. so I think that one is. And I I think when it's like, this is what we have for this role right now. But like in the future, we'd love to like grow your responsibilities and like talk about bumping up that compensation. Then like potentially, yeah, that's like, you know, you can maybe count that as like more of like an orange flag like if if it's a your role can grow and there's room for this compensation to grow that's one thing versus when you're receiving an offer that's like we actually have this much budget but we want to see how good you are first and then we'll talk about like giving you the full budget which I've like seen and like heard of happening oh it happens all Um, the time because they're trying to get as little as possible and that's why oftentimes people in more senior roles get dropped because the company doesn't want to pay them as much and they'll find ways of getting around you know trying to make your life horrible so that you quit so that they don't have to pay out a severance and and that's just because younger people they can pay less and it's like know your worth if you can right now and if not take the job keep looking (laughs) no for well yeah exactly and like that was for me that was where I declined this job was because I the way that it was worded to me was like, we just want to make sure you can actually do what you say you can do. And then we'll give you the full compensation. And I don't understand why you would ever hire somebody without full faith that they can do what they say they're going to do. So I, it's like, to me, that's a bigger, it's not even about the compensation anymore. It's about the fact that you're setting me up to start this job with me having an understanding that you doubt me you know and like i don't want to work in an environment like that yeah and you counter that offer with i want to see my full salary up front just to make sure just to make sure that you can pay it and after a year of next year then you can start going to a bi-weekly payout just just to make sure like yeah fuck you yeah i would also say that. that like if if you're applying for a company that like makes a promise like that like in six months you will bump you up to this then get it in your contract yeah, that's like, don't, true. Don't yeah. take it not in writing because that is, like, to me, it's, like, nonsense unless you put it in, like, a legal contract. Again, as freelancers, something we have to deal with on the daily. But actually, speaking of work, something we 
I at least don't have to deal with anymore, but maybe you do, depending on some of your clients. Another work red flag that we got when they refer to colleagues as family. We're family here. Ew, this is, yeah, this is such a no for me. Like, I don't know that I would actually, to, to be fair, I don't know that I would actually immediately identify this as a red flag, but I also haven't been in, like, an employee-type relationship with a company in, like, five years. But I do very much understand, like, the root cause of this for, like, being a red flag is that, like, the relationships you have with your family are, like, generally unconditional. Like, you do anything for them, you drop anything to help them, and that should never be your relationship to work. So, like, yes, caring about your colleagues, being flexible, being willing to lend a hand when it's needed is all, like, important in the right context with work, but I think to classify colleagues as family is really this, like, kind of subtle, like, subconscious, like, subliminal messaging that starts to creep into, like, bigger issues of work-life balance and, like, unfair expectations that are placed on employees to just, like, drop everything for the benefit of the company. Yeah, like, a a little culty. Like, I see it as being super toxic because it, it does create, like, a positive, motivating culture. Like, you're not just, you're not work friends. You're, like, a family. But then there are these emotional attachments that are made where it's like no unless it's unless it's literally your family business that you are entering in that you know where you are actually fucking family because otherwise then you you grow these attachments like no this is your work and there needs to be a level of like what you would do at the end of the day for your work to protect yourself and your own best interest because at the end of the day maybe depending on the corporation or the company or the brand or whatever and the size of it there is a possibility where they look out for you and they do this and blah 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 but i don't think you'd ever see a return it's not like you'd see a pay raise if okay i'll call you family but I want an extra $25 per hour or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, that that would never happen. So that's, yeah, I think that's a red flag. Yeah. I think it's a, a true yeah. red flag. Yeah. It gives me, like, creepy startup vibes where they're like, we don't actually give you paid vacation time, but we have Friday yoga classes. Like, that's the vibe. Or, like, the kind of company where, like, it would be frowned upon if you didn't come to after work drinks, even though that should not be an obligation. Yeah. yeah. Like, ever. You know what I mean? No, exactly. 100% agree. Okay. Green flag in both love and friendship when they're understanding of mental health and actively do things to support their loved one's needs. Okay, so are you ready for a little bit of an unpopular opinion? I Yeah. I don't actually see this as a big green flag. Like, obviously, someone who supports your your mental health and they're, they're trying to help, that's a good person. But unfortunately, mental health is a very complicated thing. And the issue that I kind of see this one is identifying right away as a green flag is that someone might start off strong, but that can waver depending on what somebody's dealing with. And that can eventually almost cause you more pain. And I hope I'm conveying this properly in the sense that, you know, it's a small green flag for me, but it wouldn't be like a deciding factor because your mental health is a super personal thing and while support is great i think it's a personal journey that needs to be led primarily by yourself with the help of professionals and so i mean if somebody's like supportive like if someone's like oh you're seeing a shrink like off to the nut house with you you know like that's (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying, that it's, like, it's on, one, it's on you predominantly, and I agree that it should never be on a partner to take the full brunt of supporting their partner's, like, mental health needs, especially when, like you said, mental health is such a personal thing and also such a, like, diverse thing that, like, it, you know, like, you wouldn't count on your partner to as much as it's the whole like in you know in sickness and in health you don't like count on your partner to necessarily take care of you the way like a doctor would when you're physically sick like you go to the doctors and so to a certain extent there has to be a point in time where you seek professional help yeah and actually the physical help mm, the physical help is actually a great way to explain it too because it's like yeah you have lots of husbands taking care of their wives and and you know partners taking care of partners and stuff but there is a certain point where they're not professional like psws they're not and there's there's a reason why we have professionals is because it's it's mentally exhausting right and dealing with somebody who has who has depression or has adhd or has these different things that might be disrupting day-to-day life if you put that on a partner too much or you have someone who's like i i support you in this journey this and that and then they have never fully experienced what it's like to live with someone who's depressed or somebody who who's having difficulty with that then that that green flag or like if you make a a judgment based on that green flag like I think it's I think it's a null flag like it's one of those where like yeah I'd prefer to have I think it's good to have somebody who can support professionals in in this field and who understands the importance like everybody should have a therapist I can't say that loud enough everybody should see a therapist they're great they can help you And, and it's not because I think there is a shift in people understanding that like therapists are not for people who are crazy you know it's like everybody can deal with them we all have traumas we all yeah and it's just someone it's like an unbiased person yeah Yeah, it's someone who's not involved in your life at all who has no you know skin in any game of your life that they can like objectively talk you through situations and like I've had a great experience with therapy and like talking just having somebody to like bounce my thoughts off of and figure things out and uh, yeah I agree I think it's like one of those the green flag is like do is the this person someone who like is supportive of you taking care of your mental health but no it should never be on the other person to ensure that you're taking care of your mental health and like maybe that physical health option like or like um analogy is like the best way of looking at it like it's like when you're sick maybe like your partner will make you like chicken noodle soup but they're not prescribing you medication or they're not like <laughs> yeah. you know you like bandaging up your broken leg but maybe they'll help you go grocery shopping when you're on crutches exactly yeah beautifully yeah. said yeah okay my next green flag when someone is a good travel companion and with this one just even from our experiences I know that applies to both like friendships and any kind of relationships yeah I agree with this one actually like travel is such a good way to like test the waters especially if you're not living with somebody because it involves a certain level of compromise and flexibility to be able to travel well with another person and I think that travel is a really good way to actually see how someone also handles a situation when things don't go to plan that's like yeah 
yeah, like whether it's a flight delay or you're trying to find your hotel in like a different country, you're like so often thrown into like a lot of curveballs when you're away. And so like on top of it being this kind of nonstop extended period of time with someone one-on-one, you're also getting to see how they navigate like unexpected situations and how you work together to solve them. And that can be really helpful in both relationships. And I agree with friendships too. Like I've definitely traveled with friends that I've loved every second of it and then I've traveled with people that I'm like this was yeah like I've traveled with people where I'm like this was fun but like I'm not necessarily dying to do this again anytime soon you know and like it just tests your compatibility in a different way similar to living with somebody and like roommates are okay yeah it's a very similar I would even I would even argue that because I wasn't I like okay so I I argue that if you travel with someone for two weeks you will learn more about them in that two-week travel period than you will in six months of living together in the same house. Why, you ask? Because when you're on a trip, you basically are together that whole time. Like you said, there are those curveballs. You see how money is managed. You see how stress is managed. You see what happens when they're tired or hungry or this or that. Do they become a brat? Where it really pushes you sometimes to certain extremes that if you're living together for six months, A, you might not even be in the house very often together maybe on weekends or something but that's what you would have spent when you weren't living together anyways right you have work you have extracurriculars you have hobbies you have things that you're doing and for the most part unless it's like you're running you know new york fashion week the both of you from the same house during that six month period you're not going to see those levels of extreme extremeness right they one of the things i read was that a good gauge for a relationship or seeing how a relationship is is to make it through some significant holidays even though this one kind of sucks but like a death in the family really shows a lot of people change significantly when they're grieving right and so if you can make it through that then you know and traveling and i think traveling is enormous for for those those new blooming couples yeah i agree okay last red flag this one this one made me laugh when they drink dizani water (laughs) (laughs) i am a minimal water drinker and even i know dizani is rated low amongst the water brands it just shouldn't have a flavor yeah is it like oh yeah this is dizani water like it has a distinct flavor so funny little side story but my friend's mom is very particular about her water and she has like a whole water sister system in their house and one time she was like talking to her daughter, she's like oh can you get me a glass of water right she's like make sure it's from my system whatever and so then my friend goes and she pours in dasani into a glass and gives it to her mom and her mom is like what is this <laughs> and like she caught oh it right God. away and i was like really um, do we know, is it any cheaper than regular water? Like, are we actually looking no, at someone who is financially conscientious or, uh... No, I think it's something about the minerals they add to it. No, like, but is you know it cheaper like to buy? Like, is it the cheapest water? No, I think, it, no, I think it's more expensive than, like, a Nestle water. Oh, Like, okay. I would, I would classify Bizani more up with, like, you know, like an Aquafina or like a smart water. Like I feel like a generic like Nestle Pure Life bottle of water is cheaper or like, you know, like a no name right. water. I only drink Fiji and Voss when I am partaking in water because if it ain't got bubbles, <laughs> I don't want it. 
<laughs> got I bubbles out of one like of I wouldn't necessarily classify this as a red flag. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it is concerning. <laughs> okay, so move on to my last red flag. When they have bad grammar, like using the wrong there or your incorrectly. What do we think about that? Okay, this one like also made me laugh. Like I, I also don't generally categorize this as a red flag. I though I get where they're coming from. Like I think this falls more into the category of like an ick. Like <laughs> I would never yeah. call someone's poor grammar a deal breaker. And I also think if you truly like someone as a person, then you're probably not even noticing their grammar. Like I will say my one exception to this would be work related relationships because like I think specifically be- like you and I work in a lot of, like, writing work. A lot of the time when people provide feedback and it's, like, loaded with medical errors that I've got to, like, comb through, that's a headache. Maybe to me that's a red flag if I'm working with a client who, like, can't, you know, write an email properly. But yeah. in terms of, like, friendships and relationships, I don't know that I would ever qualify this as a red flag. I feel like it falls more into that category of, like, you probably don't really like them that much anyways, and the grammar is just, like, giving you an ick. Okay, so I disagree because, okay, if it's consistent, like, if you're texting someone and they're texting in, like, shorthand but consistently in shorthand, that's fine. But if their messages are riddled with mistakes and it comes from, like, a laziness point of view, then I think oh, Yeah, like, that's... if they're, if they're like, illiterate, it's, like, a different... <laughs> or a just, different like, don't question. take the time to write things out and check things, you know? Like, I have a friend who who texts, like, a fucking email. They It's literally, like, usually my name or, like, a good morning or this, whatever, space, the paragraph, and then they sign their name every time. That's hilarious oh to God. me, but it's well-written. It's always... And I'm like, thank you for taking the time, and it's not this, like bummy response so fine it's an orange flag for me if it's consistent like if it happens here or there you yeah auto corrects if there's a bitch, like you specific know. thing yeah if there's like if they're constantly making errors then maybe yeah it's like again i still feel like that that's actually you're more of an egg yeah of a bigger thing yeah it's more of an ick and i think it's also like there is like a bigger if it's really bothering you it's because like you said it like you were like when you said it doesn't like that doesn't seem like they're putting in effort like yeah. that's probably what's actually bothering you mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, that like mm-hmm. you that probably noticing that lack of like effort in other areas true true and true. then that's when the grammar is going to really start to get you but it's not that like the grammar itself in my mind at least I wouldn't necessarily qualify that as a deal breaker if I can't make out what you're saying because your texts are so <laughs> awful then like yeah that's like a bigger concern but like yeah. yeah yeah sometimes I get into the mood where like I just I do like a when I'm writing out you it's just the letter you I just I don't know that's yeah. from texting people who are a decade younger than me it rubs off and I'm just I get in that mood I feel like that's fine I'm also like I rapid fire like long texts and I don't read them over so like sometimes I've gone back and read text conversations with people and been like oh my god like yeah. I made some stupid mistakes and I didn't correct myself so like <laughs> I feel like I could potentially fall into this category just out of a lack yeah but of, it's like, the fact that you write 16 paragraphs like that makes up for it right then then someone's like whoa okay (laughs) you just only hear from me every three days yeah (laughs) (laughs) well when you do it's a novel (laughs) okay let's end on a positive note 
It's a green flag in any relationship or friendship when you can disagree on something without it becoming a fight. I feel like this is you and me with movies and our general feelings on Vince Vaughn and Pete Davidson. (laughs) I do agree. I think it brings this really fun and healthy camaraderie to any relationship. Now, if you're a listener and you're like, "Mm, no, that's stupid, then I follow up with, you wouldn't date or befriend a carbon copy of yourself because it would be fucking boring. So it's nice to have subtle disagreements. It adds spice. And it's good that you can kind of work through and and let somebody else be their own fucking person without constantly just, you know, that's there's something to that. You want... 100%. Yeah. I, I think, to, like, to... I also would challenge anybody to say they've ever been in any sort of relationship where they've, like, completely agreed with every, everything anyone has said ever. Like, friendship or relationship. And, like, I think primarily... Like, this comes up way more in relationships just based off of, like, purely the time you spend with somebody. But, like, if you agree about everything, uh, like, even the little things, that's, something's like, off. that's weird. Like, yeah, I it think is. you should generally have things that you disagree about as long as the, like, core values and, like, important things. And that you can drop on. it. If somebody's having a bad day and a comment is made you know that you can just drop things sometimes like i think that fits into into this realm as well yeah like i hadn't seen how to lose a guy in 10 days we moved on i fixed it eventually did we but like (laughs) but like we we did i watched it but like but like yeah yeah i agree with this one too you know what though at least and this is good for any future relationships that you have you i think there's a lot of gaps for someone who's so well adversed or like well educated in pop culture you have a lot of fucking gaps which is exciting because then 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 me and others get to show you things for the very first time and that is lots of fun to show someone for the first time so the dumbness of you not seeing certain things actually works out really specific movies yeah but then exactly i get to experience these new movies which is weird because i've seen a lot of movies but there's just some weirdly like classic because you're trying to be very happy in your yeah okay (laughs) i think we have time for one more yes we do Okay, okay one more green flag comfortable silence yes (laughs) <laughs> I really love this one because there is like I like I just think there's such a difference between like the awkward silence of not knowing what to say to someone and like feeling like you need to fill the room and that comfortable silence of just like being able to exist with someone and say nothing at all and just like being content with that and like I feel like this is a huge like gut instinct green flag cuz I think everyone knows the difference between those two types of quiet and yeah, when that's you feel fair. Yeah, and, like, when you feel it in a comfortable way, it's, like, the best, most, like, cozy feeling versus the anxiety of being, like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say to you right now. And, like, I guess bigger picture, that's maybe more related to feeling like you can just be with someone without having to, like, put on an act or, like, entertain. And the people you find that you can do that with are really important, in my opinion. Yeah, and I my, my one note on it is that there's literally nothing lovelier in the world and I'm a big talker. I love to chat. I love to discuss things. I love to talk about, you know, this or that. But once in a while, especially when I'm tired or I'm just like, <laughs> then it's nice <laughs> that I have that company because I'm big on the company, not always 
the conversation, which is a little bit of a oxymoron for me, but yeah. yeah. I feel like that's also like a, I don't know if you would classify yourself as like an introvert or an extrovert, but like I'm definitely an introverted person and sometimes it's nice to just spend time not talking, but still being with somebody, you know? I'm a scheduled extrovert. It's like... (laughs) I come out when I want to come out and it's but you cannot force me you know I need to set this like my life is scheduled and I love it and if I could have every minute of my day scheduled that'd be great and I can come in and I and I enjoy both like I love freelancing in general is a very quiet alone time kind of profession and so then from that I love seeing people but on my time rush me into plans change my plans and you're dealing with a gremlin and i can't come back with that but i do think that wraps up our red flag green flag orange flag yellow flag (laughs) chat rainbow flag chats yeah (laughs) so now on to the film okay this film has literally nothing to do with red flags or green flags love it (laughs) but I just learned about it this week, and I thought it was really interesting, and I feel like you'll also find it really interesting, so I'm going to share it with you. Okay. So, did you know that despite the fact that Disney World is located in Florida, a notoriously hot and swampy state, you're actually highly unlikely to find a single mosquito in the park? What so- are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, also, this Florida? Tilo has a weird thing about Florida. I'm like, they don't even have mosquitoes there. Tilo, what does that tell you? Even they don't want to be there. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking specifically Disney World, though. So did you know that this actually comes down to the innovation of one man? His name is General Joe Potter, and he was an MIT graduate and engineering expert who met Walt Disney at the 1964 World Fair. So, Potter was previously the governor of the Panama Canal Zone, which is an area that has a Mm -hmm. really high population of mosquitoes and malaria and all that stuff. Yeah. And upon meeting Walt Disney, he mentioned his knowledge in, like, his background in pest control, and he was hired on the spot to help get rid of the mosquitoes in the park. And this was, like, Disney World was under construction at this point in time. Oh, cool. And so, their method is actually preventative rather than killing the mosquitoes, and it has a lot to do with the water in the park. So... Mosquitoes need still water in order to lay their eggs, and that's why swamps, like you find in a lot of areas of Florida, are big areas for them to reproduce. But here's what Potter did. First, there's absolutely no still water within the park. Every fountain, ditch, pond, body of water is constantly running and moving, which makes the environment really, like, inhospitable to mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. But, like, it goes beyond the fountains and like drainage systems because like even the architecture at disney world is designed so that no water can collect on any of the buildings like it all just wow. like runs off because they've got curved edges and then with the landscaping they avoid plants like water lilies where mosquitoes yeah. can like hide underneath them and they stock all their ponds with minnows and goldfish and other types of fish that will eat mosquito eggs And then finally, they spray, but not with pesticides, with liquid garlic. Yeah, And it's an amount... Yeah, so it's an amount small enough to be indetectable by humans, but the mosquitoes pick up on it, and it's a really strong natural repellent to them. So all of that combined is why you never see a mosquito at Disney World, and... Uh, like today, General Joe Potter has a little fairy ride named after him at Magic Kingdom. Okay, you ready for the tie-in? That's a green okay. flag for Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it's debatable. <laughs> 
actually haven't been to Florida, everyone, so that's... You've never been to Florida? No. I can't believe that. How many times have you been to Florida? Five times. What? Why? I went... Okay, I went to Orlando when I was a kid for, like... I went to Disney World when I was, like, ten. And then... I went back in grade 11 to go to the Harry Potter theme park, <laughs> and I was 16, 15, maybe? 15. I was in grade 10. Um, yeah, you keep lowering that number. I was 19 it was, and it a was, half. <laughs> it was, I was 23. It was, I was 15. And then I went to Miami twice for work, and then I was in Miami from in March for a bachelorette. Right, right. I forgot that Miami's in Florida. Okay, yeah, that may... Yeah. I just, like, yeah, nobody... Somebody needs to have a place in Florida, and then I will venture down and see what I think. And, yeah, my husband yeah, speaks sure. very highly. Like, Tilo really liked Florida. They, they have a really large horse community there, and Tilo's grandfather ran an internationally renowned uh, breeding st- um, stables for... Many, 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 many years. He just retired, but they used to drive down some of their horses to Florida. Huge, huge drive, especially with horses. They had to stop at yeah, stables, which is cool. Like, I, I never really thought of that before. And he said he always really enjoyed it. And so it's it's on my list. Not a bucket list, yeah. but just... Not a bucket list. <laughs> a lot of the trip has to be paid for and, and comped for me well, to be like, okay. Did you know that actually, because, like, so many snowbirds go down to florida in the winter that there's actually like a company where they'll pay you to drive old people's cars down to florida and then fly you home so you can kind of get like a free trip to florida but you have to do the drive because the old people like fly yeah because it's a 24 hour it's a 24 hour drive from here yeah so yeah not against it but anyways that does wrap up this episode episode 41 red flag green flag i was gonna say red light green light (laughs) I know. It does, yeah, it sounds like red light, green light. Yeah, it does. Okay. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a rating and review. And if you're listening on Spotify Mobile, make sure to follow us. And if you're not following us on Instagram, you can do that at Atwits and Podcast. Before we say bye, Sorry. this is a call for we're looking for people to come onto the show. So we are looking for guests. If you would like to be on this show, feel free to message either Kim or I or our at what's end podcast instagram and nominate someone to be a guest tell us why you'd be a good guest and maybe we'll bring you onto the show so now we can say until next time bye-bye bye. <laughs>